Welcome back to Commodity Conversations. This podcast is brought to you by the team from Mercado.com.au. We are a team of agricultural market analysts, and we like to use data to form opinions on markets and the general agricultural space. These informal conversations are generally long-form discussions, about 20 to 40 minutes long, where we discuss events or factors in the agricultural space with a particular bias towards Australian agriculture. These discussions are either with our internal team of analysts or they are with some special guests. We hope you enjoy the conversation and gain some insights. If you've got any questions or if you want to suggest some ideas to us, please get in contact in the usual places, on, on email, on Twitter, wherever you uh, follow us. Today's Commodity Conversations is going to be a little bit different. Normally we'd have a long conversation, but today we've actually combined a couple of conversations that we've had with a number of the candidates who are vying for a spot on the AWI board. So we thought it'd be good to get a couple of them on and see if we could uh, you know, ask them a few questions about their viewpoints. Uh, we, we did reach out to AWI in order to get some contact details for the other candidates. Uh, however, we couldn't get any response, uh, so we just reached out to the ones that we could find on Twitter. Um, if any of you other candidates are listening to this and would like to come on and have a chat with us, then we're more than happy to include you. Uh, so, yep, get in touch. We're, we're pretty easy to find. Uh, but before we just jump into conversations, I, I just want to say a big thank you to one of our supporters. Uh, again, without supporters, well, this isn't possible. It doesn't. It's not cheap to to run a podcast. We've got equipment and we've got hosting fees, etc. Uh, and today's sponsor is quite uh, quite appropriate. It's Currawera, and these guys uh, are based right about us in Western Vic. Uh, these are basically a science based uh, breeders and studs. And they have got some fantastic genetics. They use all the SBVs. And uh, in recent times, they've bought over the Mountain Dam Paul Marino stud, which, you know, now they've got the expertise of Tom Silicox. So, you know, they've got some really good resources uh, within their business and they are definitely going places. And they had one message uh, basically about uh, this election was that, you know, you've got to get out there and vote. You've got to use your vote. You can't complain about the result if you don't vote. So in recent years, there has been, you know, not a great turnout for AWI votes. So get out there and make your voice heard by voting for a candidate. And another thing to note is that Currawera have got a stud sale on the 4th of November. They've got 140 rams for sale. So if you are looking for some of the best genetics, the, uh, the Ferraris of the sheep world, then get in touch with them. Uh, you can find them quite easily on uh, currawera.com.au. Uh, worthwhile having a look if you are looking for some breeding stock. So without further ado, let's just jump into the first chat. We thought it would be a good idea uh, to get uh, some of the candidates together who are putting their name forwards for the AWI elections, which are coming up. And uh, we reached out to a few candidates, and one of those candidates is uh, Dr. Janelle Hawking-Edwards. And I uh, just want to say hello, Janelle. Thanks for coming along. No worries. And Pleasure. we thought we'd just sort of do a very quick, uh, brief uh, sort of discussion with you and see what your views are on a couple of topics. Uh, but first of all, I guess, why do you want to get yourself onto the board? Um, I want to get onto the board because I want to improve the relevance of AWI to commercial wool producers. I'm a commercial wool producer. And I'm also a scientist, so I think my background brings the key focuses of um, AWI together. 
So I just, yeah, wanted to do that. Um, and it was also a good time with um, Dr. Meredith Shield coming off the board, who was the R&D expert on there. I thought I would make and my skills would make an excellent contribution to the board. Okay, so so coming from a science background, uh, so you've you're probably more interested in the, the the value of science back to the producers. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that would that be the case? In yes, terms of definitely, yep, definitely um, interested in in the 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 science that is being done, how it's being done, and the reach of it, um, and also ensuring that what is done is relevant to all wool, wool producers. I recognise there's lots of different ways of producing wool, so we need to make sure that um, there's solutions and options for um, producers to be able to uh, improve their business. That's fantastic. So in terms of AWI's obviously got a, a split between marketing spend and research spend. Do you think that split is 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 the right split at the moment, or do you think more should come back to the you know the producer research? I think we need to reassess the split. Um, it's a sixty forty split at the moment. Um, I, I do think we need to look at it again. I've had feedback from a lot of producers that, that they think that there should be more um, more investment back into the R and D side of the AWI business. Um, but I do recognise that marketing is important, um, but we just need to see whether the expenditure is in the right proportion between those two areas. I completely agree. I think it, it's easy to say that it should go either way, but there should, needs to be some research to see where where the best fit is, and that could be, you know, keeping it yes, the way it is. Correct. It could be changing it. Who knows until, until we look right. at the numbers. It, it could be the same, could be changed. Yes, until we actually do some evaluation of it and... And um, what the, for one of you to the cliche, best thing for Buck is, are we better off investing in trying to improve on-farm productivity or even um, post-farm gate um, areas as well, um, such as processing or um, different ways that wool can be used. Um, and it's also across all the different types of wool that's produced, not just the, the fine wool. Um, but then maybe marketing particularly expensive and we need to spend lots of money on it until we actually get some sort of yeah evidence of where the best way of spending it is um uh we need to look at it well, i like that how you want to evaluate that i guess that comes back to your your science background and uh, <laughs> without, without evidence there's uh, you don't go forward yes evidence-based decisions is, is my my key mantra that's fantastic um so so janelle uh, just a quick question for you. In recent times, uh, we've had some pretty good wool prices over the past, uh, let's say, 24 months. Just out of curiosity, how much do you think that is down to, I guess, marketing efforts or just market direction, just general markets? No, I really don't have a feel for that. There's been a decline in the amount of wool produced due to drought, due to changing um, business directions, um, so is it is it just simply that there's been a decrease in supply um, trying to meet the demand there or is it because there's an increased demand? I, I don't know. It's not something I follow, so I can't really comment on that at the moment. Maybe that's something that can be evaluated at some exactly. point. Um, so in terms of um, looking at some of the big issues in, in wool, one of those issues is probably 
the mulesing debate, which doesn't seem to go away. It seems to rear its head sort of every couple of months. What's, what's your views on mulesing? So mulesing is part of the whole animal welfare side of things. We need to recognise that um, wool producers should be concerned with animal welfare in all sorts of aspects of the animal welfare. So it's not just mulesing. We all, uh, there are also other things that impact on animal welfare. So animal welfare as a whole, I think, is extremely important to be managing and to be improving so that we can meet um, society's expectation of how we manage our animals. Mulesing in particular, I believe, is um, something that we need to be doing until we've got a viable alternative. Um, if we don't mule, that actually creates more of an animal welfare issue than what mulesing does. The use of pain relief um, helps address some of those animal, or helps address the animal welfare issue. Um, there's some amazing pain relief products that are out. Um, the animal performance, the animal response, um, just even looking at it from an anthropomorphic idea of seeing how the animals um, respond after they've uh, had or pain treatment with mulesing um, indicates that that pain relief is a viable uh, solution to some of the issues with um, mulesing. Yeah, it's definitely not one of those ones that's going to go away any anytime soon. And I think that's... Uh, that's definitely a sort of a balanced approach to it. And I think there are places where it can potentially be phased out, but other areas it's probably going to be a struggle to phase it out anytime soon. So That's right. So the producers need to assess whether they, they can phase it out. Uh, they might need to be brave and give it a go. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, maybe maybe people need to be a little bit braver and thinking that they can get away um, with not mule things that some of the strategies that have been put in place with timing of chemical application or crutching um, and even the breeding strategies that have gone into it may have shifted their flock enough so that they can consider giving up mulesing. Evaluate and uh, see how it goes. This again comes up. Yes. Um, yep. So in terms of, you, you actually pointed out earlier on that uh, you know supply has, has dried up due to it being a drought, but we do know that supply just overall has been declining in the merino flock for the past really probably last 15 to 20 years. Do you have any ideas on how that can be reversed or, or even just stopped, you know, with the, with um, the merino flock? I, I, the, the, one of the big things that is going to be able to do that is, is, um, is, is related to the profitability of the business. People aren't going to get into wool production unless it's profitable. Um, so um, we people need to be aware of how profitable it can be. Um, it is quite a profitable business, um, so that will encourage people to get back into it. People might be scared off because they think it's difficult to do, but there's lots of technology and new technology and potential technologies that are going to come online that should make it easier to do. Um, growing wool is wonderful. I love growing wool. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I really like like that. Um, and it's just having a passion for it. So, yeah, um, I think they're the main things that will increase the uh, amount of wool that's being produced. It's not going to be... We can't force people into growing wool. Um, it needs to be a business decision. Yeah. So, so, Janelle, just, I guess, that's some pretty good answers. And I think we'll probably close it off there uh, mm -hmm. unless you've got anything else you want to add in now the most important thing is to 
get out and vote, um, vote for for change, um, and make sure you direct your votes. Don't leave your votes open. Um, that is, uh, yeah, have a say. Um, and 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 for people that don't listen to the podcast, go and tell your friends, go and tell your enemies, tell your neighbours, tell them to go and vote, make yeah. a decision, vote for change. So just to summarise what, what basically you've been saying is that you want to bring, I guess, uh, evidence-based decision-making to the board and uh, increasing uh, producer profitability and if it warrants it to potentially move the uh, the levy to be more directed towards uh, research and development potentially at a grower level. Would that be correct yes. summary? Yes, yeah, that, that's the summary of some of the things that I want to do. Um, one thing that I probably haven't touched on is um, I'd actually like to see some braver, more blue sky um, research focus as well. Yep. Um, I don't think we are the AWI has, has been forward-looking enough at the moment. There's lots of potential out there and I think it's been limited in, in what they've been doing. Do you, you got any examples of, you must might have something on the top of your head that would be a blue sky type of project? Um, no, I, I'd actually like to leave that up to the people that are working in those <laughs> areas now. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's up to directors to say this is, this is the, the things well, we that we doing. should be doing. Um, the directors are there to direct and govern, not to say, okay, this is the project that that, that I've come up with and I want to fund that. That's, that's not a director's role. Yep, correct. But no, good to see some 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 sort of openness to new ideas and, uh, and uh, you know, things that, you know, blue sky, you know, typically means that there's a there's a large chance that it can fail, but you've got to take those risks in order to get those rewards. And uh, you know that's, that's exactly. a good way of looking and at it. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And so, hence the risk appetite of AWI might need to be looked at as well. So, lots well, of things that I could talk about, just not enough time. Yeah, but thanks for thanks for coming along. Uh, it's lovely to speak to you, and uh, it's good to see somebody so passionate about the industry uh, getting on board and getting involved. So uh, okay. good luck, and uh, like you say, everyone's got to vote. Uh, unless you have, a, unless you vote, you don't really have a voice. That's right. Thanks very much, Andrew. No problem, Janelle. Okay. So that was Janelle's point of view, and now we're going to go on to George Faulkner, who has had a chat with uh, my colleague Robert. Welcome. Okay, now we're going to be talking to George Faulkner. Now, George is well known in the merino industry, um, mainly because of his. Uh, activities in breeding sheep um, at the Haddon Riggs Stud and that's been going for a long time. In fact it started or the Faulkner relationship with Haddon Riggs started in 1916. George has previously been a AWI director and also a director of other um, significant businesses including Sotheby's Um, but the reason we're talking to George today is because he is nominated to be uh, for the uh, one of the vacancies that is on the AWI board. So, George, um, welcome to Mercado Commodity Conversations. Yeah, good morning. Pleased to be with you. Okay, well, look, the first question, I guess, is given that you have been a director previously uh, between 2008 and 2013, why at this time in the wool industry have you decided to throw your hat back into the ring and nominate to fill these, uh, these AWI board vacancies? I was asked by um, Roger Fletcher, who is also uh, has been an AWI director, and he said to me, uh, "Yeah, I reckon you should stand again. Uh, it needs a bit of new blood, and uh, you know, there's a few few people 
want to uh, have a bit more um, transparency and, uh, you know, people that they know on the board. And uh, he said, uh, I think you should have a go. And I said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, I agree. And I uh, talked to a few clients. And they all said, yeah, we'd be pleased to support you. So uh, I took the decision to uh, put my hand up and, uh, and nominate myself. Well, uh, look, if Roger Fletcher is uh, suggesting that, I'd be listening too. So uh, that's good support to have. Look, I, I, I'm going to break it down to a couple of areas. One of the fir- first areas that farmers, um, particularly wool growers, are interested in is in demand because that's where the, you know, the price determination comes from. AWI would say that over the last five years, just have a look, the price has actually doubled for wool. Is and, and part of that has been on the building of demand. Do you think that's the case? And into the future, how is AWI going to actually contribute to building that demand? And what's your ideas on that? Well, just step back to the last wool boom. The last wool boom before it crashed in um, 91, the price was $12 per kilogram in $91. It uh, rose to, in this boom, $20, which is a fantastic price, and AWI and uh, its marketing campaign should be commended to help get it there. But as you are well aware, it's uh, reduced back to around $15 with a hell of a lot of volatility now, uh, $15 a kilogram. And so, you know, $15 is, is not such a great price when we're getting, you know, $12 uh, in 91 So... There's a lot of work to be done to increase the demand and, and get rid of this volatility in the market. Uh, so going forward, and that's what this is all about, you know, we, we don't have time to look back to the past and go on about whatever's happened over the last two years at AWI, as far as I'm concerned. It's about the future and, and, and sorting out the market, eliminating this volatility. And to do that, in my opinion, we need to uh, lessen the demand uh, or the dependence on the demand of, of China, which is buying some 70% of the Australian clip and uh, then uh, re-exporting uh, a considerable amount of that wool back out of, out of China. So we need to have more customers, you know, a, a wider manufacturing base than, than being dependent on China. Of course, George. The um, the reason the reason China is so dominant, though, is because it was the um, the the place where processors wanted to move, and that was based on their cost structure. Now, I'm not too sure that anybody in the wool industry in Australia could have influenced uh, that at the time. So, how is that going to play out in the future? Do you think? Well, as you're probably aware, North Vietnam is more more competitive on a, on a price structure than uh, mainland China. Uh, I believe uh, you've got processing facilities in North Korea and South Korea, India, Taipei, Eastern Europe's coming back into into the picture, uh, Belarus and Turkey. So there are there are other countries that process wool, first stage processing, um, and then obviously there's quite a lot of countries that go on to the next stage and and uh, manufacture or, or run woolen mills. And, and use the tops that have been produced in these other countries. So having, you know, a 70% dependence on one uh, country, I believe, is, is is high risk. And yes, obviously, at the time, in the last 10 years, 
China was with the lowest uh, cost per meter of you know on a on a production or per kilogram. But that's changed a bit, so that's why we have to reassess the situation. That's that's a good point. I think um, part of this. The challenge, though, and uh, I noticed that um, Andrew Woods, writing in Mercado the other day, noted that this year the levies collected by AWI will actually be half of what they collected last year. That's a combination of lower production, lower price, and, of course, the reduced reduced levy level. That's going to make it difficult, though, if you're going to start influencing markets in the future. I guess that's something you've put your mind to, George? Absolutely. But they do have reserves of $108 million, so there's room this year to, to uh, take $20 million out of the reserves and still keep the, you know, the emergency reserves for diseases and uh, any collapse in, in or well, 100% collapse in levies. I think their statutory reserves have to be around $50 million, so there's, there's still room to, to pull down on reserves. But obviously... Prudent uh, housekeeping will have to be enforced and uh, all all, uh, expenditure uh, will have to be evaluated on a cost, you know, on a result basis. That will be the overseas expenditure uh, in in marketing programs and and internally uh, in Australia. And so some things will have to be streamlined. But as you say, the most important thing is increase demand and remove the price instability for wool. That's, that's the number one thing to do. So that's where you have to prioritise um, your spend. Exactly. Now, I just want to turn to supply because um, one of the challenges, if you're a processor in uh, in China or Vietnam or wherever, is that um, you've looked at the last five years where the price of wool has effectively doubled, but there's been no increase in supply. In fact, there's an argument to say that merino wool supply has actually fallen and um, and we've seen year on year last year there was about 6,000 bales a week offered less than the previous year and this year of course it's been lower again in the season so far. So what can we do to try and stimulate supply or do you th- in fact do you think that's an issue that we need to be looking at at all? Definitely once you've stabilised your demand and price then customers sorry growers will have the confidence to invest and restock their properties and, and go back into sheep. No, we need to have, if you've got a major amount of money in, in, invested in a processing plant, as a, as a processor, you want a consistency of supply and so that you can run your factory at the most efficient level. And to do that, we have to stabilise the decline in the Australian sheep flocks, in particular the merinos. As you say, we're probably somewhere between 68 and 70 million sheep in Australia. And for some reason, merino numbers are still dropping. Uh, that needs to be researched. Obviously, dogs in Queensland and parts of New South Wales, South Australia are, are a problem. But is it uh, people are unaware of the profitability of merino sheep? But certainly, we need to persuade younger growers that merino sheep are the way to go of the future. So, what what are the actual what are some of the um, things that AWI can be doing at the farm level to uh, to help stimulate that merino? Flock, because in the end, the, the Australian wool industry is built on merino wool, and um, and even though we may be able to stabilise this flock at at sixty five million and perhaps grow it even after this drought, the challenge will be: does it grow on the back of merinos or does it grow on the back of um, prime land production? And and the wool industry needs merino wool, I think. Well, the apparel industry needs merino merino wool, and I think what you've got to persuade 
growers is that instead of putting it many crossbred rams out there that uh, a merino lamb is equal in price these days through the sale yard as, as, as a crossbred uh, on a cent per kilo I'm talking about not obviously crossbred is, is a heavier lamb they grow faster I'm aware of that so yeah we've got to get more merinos back back on the ground and to do that you have to show that show that with the wool and the, the meat price your net return per hectare is equal to um, a crossbred operation and with modern technology and the sheep medicines that are available, merinos are no harder to run than uh, any other breed of sheep. I think um, I, I agree with you, George, but I, I don't think everybody else agrees with us. People say that merinos are difficult to run and, and the issue of um, fly management, um, um, you know, keeping young sheep alive, um, and and that plays into the um, into the the dreaded word of mulesing. Um, that's all. They're all issues that are going to be addressed in the future. What's your take on all of that? Well, I think we have to. That, that's the, you know that is the elephant in the room. Um, it, it has to be dealt with. Uh, getting everybody in the first instance to adopt the use of uh, pain pain relief when they're doing their Mulesing and castrating and uh, tail docking operations is, is, is an absolute must. We need to improve our image over, overseas and in, in that area. And obviously, closely following that, the solution to the mulesing problem, whether we can do it through genetic modification of, of building a black in the cotton where we have um, Roundup ready cotton, which, uh, you know, there's a gene modification, which means that there's Insects are not attracted to the to the plant. If you can modify uh, the genetic makeup of a sheep, or or or, or, or vice versa, change the, the, the DNA in a in a fly so they're not attracted to sheep. There's got to be a solution out there that we can solve this low fly problem and, and do it very quickly because the world's moving on from uh, what we're doing down here. And some processes processes are saying. No, they don't. They only want to buy uh, non-mules wool, and they're prepared to pay a bit extra for it. I think the the analogy you make with the way cotton was able to reposition itself. I mean, it had a terrible image going back in time, and now it's been able to um, really improve its image. But the um, you know, and I, I think back, we're now hearing that there are rumours of people who are processors saying it's not the pain relief isn't good enough for us. You know, it'll have to be non-mules wool. So the challenges are going to keep coming. That's correct. Uh, the Schneider Group that they've said it publicly, and also uh, Lawrence Modiano, who buys a lot of Australian wool, has got customers saying that they only want uh, non-mules wool or ceased mules wool. So uh, the market forces are going to push the Australian industry much faster than legislation, I believe. George, just on another topic, um, obviously being a board member is about governance and. Uh, and, and, and running the show effectively. I mean, what's your experience in that area? What what areas, where have you had that board experience and and, and what's your comment on how that might, um, you know, look in the future if you were elected on the to the AWI board? Well, I've had, I have five years experience on the board and obviously there were government governance issues and so we all did what we did it 
course at the Institute of Company Directors, which was a week-long course and was taught by professionals on what the issues in, in corporate governance are, which that's been very handy. Um, obviously, at Sotheby's, you have to have a high standard of, of, of governance there as well. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that AWI board is, is being run well. The, the, the current chair is, 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 um, is, is very good. Uh, Colette Gandhi, she's, she's a good good chair and uh, is an absolute stickler for uh, for good corporate government. So I think that you know th- these problems that they've had in the past can be sorted out. Um, I think we also need to encourage you know professional younger directors to come come into the uh, industry and the the ten uh, year. Uh, company director tenure, I think I think that's a good idea. I don't think you want to have people there forever. And I also think they need to open up the board positions to professional directors from Sydney, Melbourne or Perth, Adelaide, uh, that have the necessary skills because it's running around the countryside getting a hundred or hundred and fifty signatures from growers. No professional city person is going to do that. So there's a few changes that still have to be made to improve the uh, way that AWI works. Look, um, it's been terrific to talk to you, George, and uh, you and I have got a lot in common. We're both, uh, and it comes through with you, you're, we're both very passionate about the um, merino industry and the wool industry. Um, we also have four daughters, so uh, for our sins, we're, we're to be commended for that, I think. But I also think you need to, um, you know, get a pat on the back that it's very easy to criticise things, but it's the ones who step forward and say, well, look, I'm going to put my hand up. We never end uh, our Mercado conversations without a curly question, George. My curly question for you today is, um, what, what's your comment on a month or two ago when the market um, was really volatile? You know, we saw record falls and record highs in, in almost in the same weeks at some stage. And there was a call to, uh, or a suggestion that perhaps we should suspend sales. And, um, you know, it sounded very much like going back to the 80s. And uh, what's your, what was your take on that suggestion? That was the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, market interference like that is, is, is um, a death wish. Uh, they tried it in the tin industry in the 1960s and the people who were doing it sent themselves broke. We interfered with the market in, in the 90s and we paid, paid for it for 10 years, 15 years afterwards, after, after the wool stockpile had to be disseminated. It's a kiss of death. Um, I had the shutters. The market was, you know, the market will sort itself out and growers had the opportunity to pull their wool out of the, out of the market as they're doing now and that's making the market realise that they're going to have to pay. The growers will set their own reserve price. We do not want any statutory um, interference with the market whatsoever. Well, look, George, that's look, that's a terrific way to wrap this up, I think. Thank you very much for talking to uh, Mercado on our Commodity Conversations. We, we wish you all the best. We, um, we're, we're going to try and talk to some other um, nominees as well, but... Um, we wish you all the best. There's no doubt that your experience and uh, and your passion for the wool industry is an asset. Um, hopefully, um, we can see that utilised further into the future. So thanks very much, George. Last but not least, we have got a previous AWI board member, uh, Paul Cocking, uh, who's also uh, been talking to Robert about his uh, ideas for the board. 
So, Paul Cocking, welcome to Mercado Commodity Conversations. And uh, the reason we're talking to you today is because you're one of the nominees for the uh, vacancies on the AWI board. Now, I guess the question's got to be asked. We're at an all-time low flock. We have uh, we have serious volatility in the price. Uh, there are a lot of other challenges, which um, which are pretty well articulated in the press. What what makes you want to put your hand up and be a member a board member of AWI now? Yeah, first of all, thank you for the opportunity, Robert. Um, so the main reason is because of those challenges. I see um, we really do need a united pool industry at the moment, um, and, and that's going to come through structural and cultural change. But I think the biggest challenge really is we must continue to rebuild the confidence of the of all growers in AWI itself, because without um, the trust in AWI, we risk further reduction of the levies and maybe even government interference. And without those levy funds coming in and also going to be a fair reduction because of the drought, we won't have the funds um, to face the challenges we need to. And there's some very big challenges ahead for the industry. Um, and and that's all. that all makes a lot of sense, Paul, but I can't help it, it, just doing a little bit of background research on you. The first thing that came up was the Farm Online article for the 22nd of October, and uh, the headline is, and it's attributed to you, AWI culture is broken and needs fixing. That's, that's pretty strong words, Paul. Yeah, well, I think um, there is – I think as a whole, that's, that's what I'm talking about, United Industry. Um, we need to work together, and, and that's with all groups. And, and all growers, I mean, commercial growers and a lot of representative bodies and um, AWORKS. But a lot, of these, a lot of these companies, I think, feel like they, they, they haven't been engaged as much as they'd like to be with, with the processes in AWI. And, and that's not a, I don't be critical of the current board or the company, but it is a great company. But I think as an industry, it's very important with some massive challenges ahead that we all come together um, and work as one as United Industry, but without that, we, we are, I see, we, we, we can face some some pretty bad risk at the moment. Yes, and that, those challenges are certainly uh, out and about when you've got an internationally traded commodity these days with all the volatility that's there. One of the areas that um, constantly comes up, we'll talk about two key areas that we think are important. The first one is demand for wool, and of course that plays into um, the price, uh, it, it encourages people to produce if they're being profitable. But um, I suppose the question always is, for me, is how much influence can AWI have on demand? And if it can have an influence on demand, what are the sort of things that you would be directing it to do in uh, in the future? Well, well the demand um, at market is a, is a very complex issue, but I, I would like to see um, it's – I think it's diversity of markets. I mean, China is our biggest market and always will be. And it's very important to us, not only the biggest supplier, but I think that the biggest amount of wool goes in the 80%, but they also um, consume the biggest percentage at the moment. I feel diversity of markets are important. So I must re-engage with the old markets and look for new ones. And that's very complex and takes a lot of time and effort. Um, new, new products and new development. I think we need to keep working with the leaders in the industry like Adas and Nike and more technical fabrics and keep working that way. And also, I think in the current environment worldwide, there's a really big thing about um, welfare um, of animals and the right to farm and social license. And I think we need to get our messaging a lot better around that. And obviously, meals and comes into that and, and pain relief and our messaging is around that. 
I really think at, at retail, they, they want to see that we have a handle on, on those issues. Of course, the, um, that, that's been an ongoing issue. I mean, it, it uh, you know, just beggars belief that we really haven't progressed very far with it at all. But can I just pick up on your point there about messaging? I mean, in the end, we certainly have to get the message better, and, I, and that may have helped in the past if that had been better. But this issue of... Um, of uh, animal welfare and, and how mulesing feeds into that, I don't think that's going to go away, Paul. No, no. I mean, I, I've been a, when I was in, was a big supporter of looking for alternatives, and I, I really cannot believe the industry is still pushing back on 100% pain relief. And I'm not saying that we need mandated yet or anything, but it shouldn't be any negativity around 100% pain relief. It should just be a no-brainer. We all should be use, using it. Um, and we've really got to get heads out of the sand that, if we think as an issue we're going to be using forever, it's not going to happen. It's going to matter if, I mean, it's going to matter when, not if, when it happens. And we have to be more ready for it. And I, I really um, commend growers who, who, are, who are not mealing, looking for alternatives. And as an industry, we need to get head out of the sand and really look for those alternatives and, and support growers who are mealing and who are not, and, and not give negative messaging back to them. But I, I think that I'm, I am a supporter of 100% pain relief with mealing. Um, but we do definitely define an alternative. Um, Paul, you mentioned we talked about demand before, and I guess if you're thinking about demand, you've got to think from our customers' point of view. Now, yep. one of the things that must be just mind-boggling for them is that with the terrific prices that are around now, not only for um, um, wool but uh, for merino sheep um, to, to send to slaughter – Yet we've got the lowest flock of all time and we've probably got, I don't know whether there's any accurate figures around just yet, but we've probably got the lowest merino flock of, in, in our, our memory anyway. Um, if, you're a, if you're a customer, if you're a processor, then sure price is important and, and being able to sell the product, but supply is, is doubly important for, uh, for a customer than it is for a supplier. How are we going to fix this problem? This problem of uh, you know the, the declining flock and the and the challenge from both cropping and prime lambs for the merino wool industry. Well, I, I think it's one of our biggest challenges, not the biggest at the moment. Um, and I think again that comes around the right messaging from everybody in the industry. We we I have a fear that if we don't get this right, that when people do when it does rain, which I mean the drought has been devastating, and I can't understate that. But if we want to rebuild the numbers, we, we have to give people confidence that as an industry we can face these big challenges and they are the ones like um, welfare, social licence. Um, but we really we really have to face... And we have to give younger generation and the people have a choice what type of sheep to breed or animals or cropping that as an industry we can work together and we're going in the right direction. Um, because these people have a choice where they spend their money and how they want to farm. And, and we must give them confidence and trust that w we will support them in the big challenges ahead. And I think that's sometimes lost on these larger RDCs. They, they really have to be the leaders in this. Even though they're not peak bodies, they still have to show leadership in these issues. And I think if we can get, get that right, we, we will bring some more people with us and we will be able to increase the numbers. Now, one of the questions that um, I think is, on, is starting to come to play in this uh, campaign is the... Uh, the levy and and the levy is going to be reduced. Um, it, it, there's no option but to be reduced. First of all, the rates going to be less next uh, this year, 
um, the numbers of uh, kilograms of wool being sold and the price is, is fluctuating around. How do you, what's your best bet for the, how this levy should be um, should be used? And can I start off by just asking your comments on, on the ratio? So 60% goes to marketing at the moment and 40% to R&D. A few things there. I mean, I would. It's. I would like to see firstly that, that the growers have more say on this as a whole. I'd like to see as a question in in the wool poll, and not a big fluctuation in this number, but I think growers have more in, input into it. Um, I'd like to see a balanced. I'm happy with sixty forty, but at the same time, I'd be very open to a say fifty fifty split. And I think it's more about the, the attitude of a company and. If, if, if they're passionate about R&D and that's something I'd like to put a lot more pressure on within the company and, and open up more discussion on the R&D side and, and make some changes there. One definite thing I, I think that we need to do, especially with production funds, it's very hard to cut R&D projects as, they, as they're actually as they're going along. But I feel as an industry we, should be, we all should be on the same strategic plan. That's MLA and GRDC with AWI, and that will allow better utilisation of funds and coordinate outcomes. I think that's some way with as the funds they will be reduced, that we can still get great outcomes and better um, bang for a buck. Well, Paul, um, we've uh, we've put it out here at Mercado that we're happy to talk to people who have got something to offer in the industry, and uh, and we really commend you for putting your hand up. It's the old story. Um, it's no good complaining if you want to be uh, if you if you don't like what's going on, try and be part of the solution. And I'm I'm sort of hearing that's where you're heading, Paul. Just to just to round up our conversation, um, uh, you know what what's the bottom line for people thinking about voting? You know what would what would be your message to them? Uh, these these wool producers who are. Um, you know they're a diminishing breed. Uh, they've been they've been shrinking, but uh, we know they're passionate. We know they love their product. Um, what would be your message um, to them in in going into this election? Well, firstly, make sure you do vote. Number one, and um, secondly, and vote for you, Paul. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, that's why I'm standing. Yeah. But I really feel that I, I have a, I have a really good chance of uniting, helping unite the industry. I have a good balance on. Um, say more traditional and the more scientific side of breeding and growers trust me and they want me to help bring the, the company back together and I, can, I also have the ability to work within a complex board situation which it's one thing to yell and scream outside the room but you really need to be able to operate under a complex board situation but I really urge growers to have a really close look at this election and put a lot of thought into the voting choices but it, it is crucial that we make the right choices um, and we need independent directors because without, I have a real fear that without some real change at, at this election, um, I don't know how we're going to continue. We've really got to get together as an industry and face some of these big challenges. Um, and we must do it quickly because the funds are going to be reducing and I could even go more. I, I fear that if there's not enough change at this election that Growers may continually vote to levy down, and the government may step in, and that's my biggest fear. AWI is a great company; it does a lot of great work, and I think as an industry, we all want it to continue that way. Well, look, Paul, we um, we've been 
making an attempt to try and catch up with uh, all the people standing. And I must commend you. You're uh, you're easily found. You're on social media. Um, you have um, a press release which you've sent to us. You've got, and I and I'm pretty sure that you'd be happy for any uh, would be will poll voters to um, to make contact. It's not hard to find poor cocking, um, whether it's on social media or whether it's on um, uh, just having a look at the, uh, if you Google Paul, you'll see there's an article comes up from Farm Online where there's a lot of your information out there. So Paul, can I just say thank you very much for giving your time and uh, and being on Mercado's Commodity Conversation and, uh, and we wish you all the best. Yeah, and, and thank you very much and um, for giving me the opportunity, Robert. I really appreciate it. Make sure all you will grow us. Have a, have a vote, please, and, and let's move this industry forward. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you've got some insight into some of the candidates today. Uh, I thought it was a good format to have those sort of five to ten minute chats, uh, very informal with some of the candidates. The important thing really is with any election, whether it's the uh, upcoming general election in the UK or whether it's uh, the AWI election, is to actually get out there and vote because if you don't vote, your voice isn't heard. Again, as always, if you could do us a massive favour is uh, get onto your iTunes and leave a review for us or wherever else you listen to this or even just uh, click the, uh, the star icon to uh, give us a rating. It really helps us out in terms of ensuring that people see our podcast and it, and it stays high in all of the search rankings. So it doesn't cost you anything to leave a review or add a like or give us a rating. Uh, so yeah, if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Uh, have a good one and stay safe, people. Bye-bye.